Guys, it's been such an incredible uh, week and a half. What's everyone's uh, favorite thing they've seen at TIFF so far as we're as we're winding down the fest here? Jesse, it's a great question. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, this movie uh, by Graham Foy that it just kind of I threw into my schedule just because it mm-hmm. fit. Uh, called Anything, the any Maiden. relation to Claire? Uh, I don't think so. He's Canadian. Okay. Uh, sure. the, the, I don't, I don't, I'm, I think the movie was, uh, produced in the United States, uh, but it mm-hmm. premiered at, uh, Venice Days, and it's just, like, a sort of weird little interesting coming-of-age right. story. Uh, and it was controversial at Venice, right? Like, they, like, there was, there was some hot, hot, hot topic of discussion in that, uh, that yeah, one? it was very, they... They didn't. They didn't like uh, what the movie suggests about the afterlife. Um, sure, it didn't. You go know, those over, Italians, it, they can be touched. Yeah, about it that. didn't go over well in Italy. But uh, yeah, I I thought it was quite good, and that that particular element of the film didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Andy, what about you? Uh, what about me, boy? So many to choose from. You know, I was I was really worried when I was only gonna do like. The second half, like I, when I my work schedule precluded precluded me from coming the first weekend, but there are some real uh, been some real gems uh, in this second half, and I I gotta say uh, I th- am you know so surprised to say it, but uh, well so okay here's here's my thing with the greatest beer run ever okay it's is is I don't know if we should get into this because it's spoilers, but sure. when it was revealed that the beer was actually wine, I, like, <laughs> lost my shit. I thought it was so funny when they were like, we actually got, like, a really good Pinot Grigio back here. And uh, Bill Murray was, like, so excited. And, like, he did a little dance. like it, And I think it was fully choreographed. I'm pretty sure someone <laughs> choreographed that dance for Bill Murray. Um, it was, it was, I mean, it was certainly jaw-dropping, uh, is, is my take, anyway, on that, on that. Yeah, and uh, I decided because I wasn't pressed that I wouldn't see anything. Uh, but welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. Yeah, so as as you have just heard, uh, it is Tiff is winding down as you hear this, and so because of that, we uh, turned to uh, one of our new favorite formats. Uh, are a listener's choice, uh, or a, a donor's choice, rather. Yeah. Uh, we reached out to uh, another one of our recurring donors who we picked at random and asked them to uh, pick a movie for us to watch and discuss. Uh, and um, after a little bit back and forth, we arrived on uh, John Michael McDonough, right? It's Michael? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. John Michael McDonough's uh, It would be funny if he were John uh, Martin McDonough. That's true. Sure. That's true. Uh, his 2014 film, uh, Calvary, uh, starring mm-hmm. uh, Brendan Gleeson. Uh, and yeah. I learned through fig- what, figuring out how to watch this movie uh, that there's a difference between Calvary and the Cavalry. 
uh, uh-huh. Kefir. Uh, That's right. I um, learned that when I watched the movie in uh, 2014, I think. It's a sure. good a good movie for... It's a good teaching tool in that way. Exactly. I would absolutely show this to a middle school class <laughs> to try to figure out... To teach the them the two words? To teach them <laughs> the difference them between the two words. <laughs> yep. No, Listen. we just make them... We would just make the class figure out how to watch this movie, and then it's up to them if they watch it or not. Sure. Right. I'm sure middle schoolers love uh, uh, Catholic guilt. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about, like, what this movie is and where it came, comes from and who John Michael, uh, McDonough is, um, uh, who's got the info for me? I, I, I've, I'm not familiar, I have not seen any of his films before, this was the first one of his I saw. Sure. Uh, I know we have talked about, uh, Martin McDonough a little bit, including, uh, he has a, who has a film at TIFF, he's, and there is a yeah. relation, right? Yeah, yeah they are brothers. Yeah, they're brothers. John, right. John is the older brother, actually, <laughs> even though mm-hmm. Martin had, uh, professional notoriety, uh, before John Michael. Uh, he, John mm-hmm. Michael McDonough, he actually, he wrote a screenplay for... A movie I think called Ned Kelly with Orlando yeah. Bloom, and that was before, um, right? And that was before Martin McDonough had made a movie, but he was already an established right. playwright at that and, point. And uh, John Michael had also made his first feature in two thousand, um, oh. uh, the Second Death, an Irish short, uh, not feature, oh, short film, short sorry. film, sure. So he was ahead of Martin McDonough into the a film bit, industry. A bit, yeah. yeah, right. And then Martin has sort of surpassed him in. It's like, what is more high profile, a short movie to get you into movie making or a play to get you into movie making? Sure. But I mean, like. The different routes they took. Well, no, because Martin also made a short, and his short won an Oscar in uh, 2005, (laughs) I believe. Uh, Well, sure, 2005, so later. Yeah, later, yes. That's what I'm saying. Martin was behind. Uh, Right. Yeah, Brandon Gleeson Behind was... but above is, is yeah, I think, the way to describe it. Yes. Uh, sure, yeah. Brandon Gleeson was also in that short and is also in both of their debut features. Uh, yes, and, he's and coming, in the upcoming yeah, Martin McDonough. Yeah, he's uh, coming back to them for the first time. I mean, Martin McDonough has been talking about forever that he wants to do something else with Brandon Gleeson. He was like, he was talking about something or other where he was going to be in a wheelchair for a long time um didn't make sure. that uh, damn <laughs> <laughs> if that's your hook Brendan Gleeson in a wheelchair oh, oh this is the John yeah this is the John Michael McDonough which is supposedly his third of a trilogy with the guard and um oh you're and, right uh, you're right Calvary. I am that is I was a, getting uh, confused yes. yeah yeah I was like I heard about this it's called like um there's a title, uh, 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 The Lame Shall Enter First, and it's about a paraplegic ex-policeman who has developed a hatred for able-bodied people and gets ca- uh, caught up in a new investigation when one of his friends is murdered. It's the final of a trilogy of these three movies. Interesting. Uh, I mean, the, I, I've also seen The Guard. That's a very different movie yeah. from this one. It's, like, more 
you know, it's still a dark comedy, but it's leaning more in the direction of comedy, as I recall. Yeah, more overtly comic. Um, Don Cheadle's in it. Yeah. And then he also made that movie, The War on Everyone. Uh Uh-huh. With uh, Michael Pena and Alexander Skarsgård, which... Seems to lean more into the comedy as well. I mean, I... Yeah, I haven't seen that movie. It seems like that movie came out and everyone just turned on him. Uh, sure, yeah. Which is interesting. And then he did The Forgiven this year, or it premiered at TIFF last year, which no one saw. And he's doing another... He has another movie that he maybe is gearing up to shoot or something that's bringing back... Christopher Abbott and Abby Lee from The Forgiven. Uh, so he's he's found a new crew of uh, actors that he's working with. And, like, Caleb Landry Jones is in both War on Everyone and The Forgiven. Uh, so. Sure, that tracks. Yep. <laughs> also in Three Billboards. Right, yeah. I mean, they... There's a bit of, yeah. you know, familial sharing. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. I'm sure they have a decent relationship, right? I mean, sure. yeah. I speculate. Um, I imagine so. Anyway, so this one, so this is his, it's his third movie? Second feature. Second, second feature. Director, directed yeah. feature. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it premiered at Sundance, correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Just in, was it in, like international like i would assume it was in the world uh cinema sure whatever it's called fiction yeah um and then it played berlin we were we were finding out before we started recording panorama as were his uh subsequent and following features yes um which is like Jesse, you were saying, right, is, like, a, a, a little, like, panorama, like, obviously right. a the, flavor the, than the, it, I, the identity playing. it now has is that it seems to have kind of branded itself as, like, having a lot of queer cinema, which, like, there was maybe some at the time, but obviously this doesn't fit into that, and I don't know how uh, much uh, unanimity there is in the section now. Uh, but, yeah, it seems to be at least what comprises more of the high-profile films in the section at this point. Yeah, uh, so, and then it looks like it came out pretty quickly after those fests. Yeah, Fox Searchlight bought out of Sundance, um, uh for U.S. distribution. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I saw it at the AFI Silver Theater in August, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like, yeah, I had a limited, in the U.S., I had a limited release the 1st of August. Um. Yeah, so I maybe saw it the 9th. After that, the real old school. Yeah. Uh, Searchlight sort of deal. And Mm -hmm. it had come out in the U.K. and Ireland and, and all that in April. Um, so, uh, yeah, one of those, you know, a fairly typical fest, uh, festival to release pattern for Mm -hmm. for a movie like, um, like this. Uh, and so we should talk about what, what's in the movie, right? Uh, so it's, I'll, I'll, to give a brief summary, Mm -hmm. uh, Brendan Gleeson plays, uh, a priest, 
uh, he has he's a man who came to the priesthood later in life after he, mm-hmm. he lost his his wife. He has an adult daughter. Um, and, uh, very early on, I think it's the opening scene, yep. uh, he is mm-hmm. giving, he is doing his priestly duties, he's, you know, overseeing confession, uh, and, uh, uh, a man comes in, uh, says that he was abused by a priest as a child, and that, uh, he's going to kill Brendan Gleeson in a week, yep. a week, a week Sunday, as he says, um, and, uh, as sort of a statement, because he wants to right. kill a good priest. Yes. He wants to, he doesn't want, like, revenge on the person who did it to him. Yeah, he wants I mean, to yeah. sort of make a statement about the institution, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, he uh, says that the, the priest who abused him is right. dead already, but that, that doesn't even really matter. Sure. Uh, and so then, uh, we don't know who... This person was who gave this, uh, yeah, gave this threat, um, and so then it but follows. But he does. He does right. know. He he says he does, and then he says he doesn't. But I think yeah, he basically does. Right. Um, I mean, he certainly doesn't seem surprised when he finds out. Sure. Mm. Um, and so then yeah, the film follows him for that week as he uh, carries about most of his like usual routine. It seems like he's you know he's seeing people he's helping people he's mm-hmm. he's doing a, he's you know all the descriptions and stuff call him a good priest and like the the guy who threatens him calls him a good like he's like he's a guy who like has a lot of respect in his community and like does mm-hmm. a lot of different stuff around um and so you meet all sorts of different people of this town and the whole time you have this sort of like hanging over of like is one of these people the guy who wants to kill him uh and yeah, he has a bit of respect he also is like People, people. I mean, certainly like give him a hard also, time. Yeah. yeah, there's like a scene where he is just having a conversation with a child, and a guy like pulls up and is like yelling at him, and they don't like want him to talk to any of the children. I right. mean, I think that's just a Catholic priest thing rather than a him sure. thing. Sure, I uh, know, but I mean, that's still not. I would, I would file that one under not being treated well by his community. I mean, oh, I mean, I also, I got the impression that that family was not someone who yeah, knew they were him. They were yeah. tourists. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, like, there is also, like, he has in the past struggled with alcoholism, and it's not clear. I, I would imagine that that was something that he had largely put behind him before he entered the priesthood, but something that comes back towards the end of right. this film. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then, like, there's some escalating stuff. Uh, uh, the the church gets burned down. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone kills his dog. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he, yeah, and, and like, he he deals with a lot of townspeople. He, he, you know, you see him giving last rites to someone in the hospital. He deals with the doctor there. You see him, like, helping, trying to uh help with a woman who's being beaten uh in in that situation he has another there's like another priest at his church who he has a strained relationship with um yeah. and then eventually uh he you know he he goes down to the beach where the guy said that he would kill him you meet him you, you see that it's spoilers i'm gonna spoil the movie now <laughs> yeah it's uh it's chris o'dowd uh who you've seen uh has seemed he's fairly a local butcher uh-huh. yeah he's a local his butcher. wife is being abused and is also cheating on him yeah uh-huh 
Um, and he goes through with it. He he kills him on the beach yep. right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the movie sort of. I guess there's a there's a brief sort of montage of like everyone who's had significant interaction with the priest. The camera sort of keeps panning over everyone, and you sort of see them uh, one last time, and then the credits roll. And then in the credits, for some reason, there's it keeps fading up on locations for just like brief shots that you've been in the movie with no people in them, uh, which sure. was uh, an interesting time. I mean, it is it's good to know. I. Uh... I may have. I, I might get. Then? Well, yeah. I mean, I I watched this movie again. I saw this movie in a theater. I would imagine right. that I stuck around. I generally do. Sure. Uh, but I did not remember, and no, I did not. Uh, I think I probably yeah. had it, left it playing right. in a, another window on my computer while I logged it on Letterboxd and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that's the basic arc of the movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. We should maybe, yeah, let's start with, like, basic thoughts. What do everyone think? Well, it's hard. I mean, it's just weird for me. It's weird for me to just think about this movie in terms of, like, how my taste has evolved in the last mm-hmm. uh, eight years, I guess. Uh, because I I like this movie a lot um, when I saw it. Uh, I mean, I yeah. liked... I, I don't think I'd seen The Guard, but I'd seen both of Martin's previous movies, which I also liked a lot. Uh, and watching it now, I I don't even know that I necessarily disliked it. There's, like, some stuff that is interesting, and I think it is, actually, I think what is most interesting is, like, kind of how it complicates the idea of him being a good priest. Um... Which I don't know how much that's the point of the film, but then like he's very good, and there's some other performances I think are good. But the I mean I guess the main thing is just the like weird reverse dramatic irony. I don't understand what it accomplishes. I mean I I remember reading when it came out that like in that because I was like oh, is that just Chris O'Dowd's voice at the beginning and I couldn't recognize it? And the answer is no. They, like, mixed a bunch of the actors in the movie's voices together for that scene so that really? you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. And my question is just, like, why? I don't understand what it accomplishes for us not to know. Because it's not like it's not like he is spending the movie trying to figure it out. He does... No, I think it's just, like, a red herring, basically. Like, it's just not, like, important in a way. I guess. I mean, but then they do give weird weight to it with, like, his daughter going to visit Odell right. prison at the end. yeah. I... I mean, yeah. I think the movie's, like, fine, basically. I base... Uh, uh, I think Gleason is... It's hard to say he's very good because I don't think the script is that good, but I think he uh, has a sort of presence and uh, I guess like lyricality just to the way yeah. that he talks, obviously, being Irish, that right. there is a bit of excitement just hearing him say like this, <laughs> uh, like for lack of a better word, like overwrought dialogue. <laughs> and then... Um, so there is just, like, the sort of excitement of, like, this is, like, an actor acting, and it's, like, very, 
exciting in a way. And uh, I think it looks nice. I think the score is really nice. Um, a lot of the other characters don't really do anything for me. They're all pretty one note. Um, yeah. I think Emmett Walsh is pretty good. It's just yeah. like fun to see him show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like otherwise, I, I'm just like, okay, like this is sort of the yeah. like mcdonough thing that I don't like in both it's... brothers. Because I'd seen The Guard and remember uh-huh. feeling just like cut-rate uh, Martin McDonough at the time <laughs> when I was like, uh, at least like considered myself a fan of In Bruges. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, the thing that stuck with me the most from The Guard is at one point, uh, instead of saying brain freeze, Brendan Gleeson says milkshake headache, which I thought mm. was funny. Yeah, that's um, good. But yeah, and, and this one... It's obviously not playing for the comedy, like we said earlier, as yeah. hard as his other movies or uh, his brother's movies. Um, and I think to its benefit, um, the sort of solemn grayness of the movie fits better with like him just going about his day as like mm-hmm. a guy having these conversations about like forgiveness. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. So, like, yeah, I guess I think I like the movie maybe a little more than you. I, you know, I guess, like, yeah, having been, like, raised Catholic and, like, having had that been an important part of my life for a long time, uh, and certainly, and, like, still having, like, you know, I have a lot of good feelings about my life in the the church before I stopped going, uh, still. Like, a lot of the thematic stuff, I think, like, is just, like, primed to, like, appeal to me. I do think, like, I always think, like, thinking about forgiveness and what it means and and what it costs and and that sort of stuff is, like, always interesting to me and is always, like, something that I'm gonna be really intrigued by and into. Uh, you know, especially, like, thinking about the scene with, uh, Domhnall Gleeson, his son, uh, yeah, and which is you know it's definitely like a real like it's going for something like broad in that scene you know it's mm-hmm. like he's like he's the he's a a, a horrible murderer uh, a cannibal who, yeah who um is like you know Brendan Gleeson. They're not related at all. It's weird. It's weird that they are. It is father and son just playing yes. a scene with each other, um, uh, and it's so much so that at first I was like, "Is that Domino? Like, why? Why is that? Why he does have like darker hair? Also, part? yeah, yeah, right. yeah. A different. Yeah, um, uh, but um, you know, it's it like Brendan Gleeson clearly suspects that he is like trying to take the easy way out and like claim that he is penitent or whatever, and like that question of like. Ooh, how, like how how does God know like when you're really repentant or whatever for your horrible sins and therefore like in the church like he'll offer forgiveness for anything no matter how horrible you did as long as it's true and like that sort of like all that like question that is you know pretty like religion philosophy sort of 101 sort of like level stuff is uh-huh. like just I just always think it's fun like I just always think it's like like interesting to contemplate even if it is like so basic of a like uh-huh. a, oh if someone like did the worst thing that anyone could ever imagine and really felt sorry for it would they still get into heaven and like that sort of like that question is just always interesting to me and even and i understand that like many people would just be like roll their eyes at that sort of like and how basic it is um of a, sure. of a provocation um but yeah i mean yeah and and like 
I think there's... A, yeah, I, I would agree that, like, not all the characters really pop. Yeah. Uh, they're, like... I, I, I like the rich guy... Okay. Yes, I or, agree. Um, they, from Dylan the Morin, yeah. yeah, yeah, I yeah, he is of the like. I think him and M. Emmett Walsh of the like supporting right. characters are the ones. So I'm like, oh, they're like kind of. There's something here, you, you know, not even really to the character, just like they're bringing enough to the performance that I'm like, yeah, yeah. that works. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like I, but then there's some where like, I don't. I think. Donald Gleason's kind of bad. Uh, Aiden Gillen is like, I mean, he like does a bit about like how he's not an interesting character, and it's like, yeah, he's not. Um, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh And then like, I don't know. I mean, I also like. I don't think Chris O'Dowd is good in this movie, unfortunately. Sure. I mean, he's like, it's such a weird. I mean, yeah. I think like his, the I think he's good in the last scene. No. Sure, that's probably his best scene. I mean, he's not doing anything in the other scenes. Um, right, yeah. that's the thing, is, like, he it's like he blends into the background. Right, so I he guess, is, like, like yeah. the most blank slate of the people who Gleason is interacting with. Yeah. I mean, and it's, like, the movie is basically set up as just, like, scene after scene of just Gleason and one other person talking uh-huh. to each other with like a few variants of like extra people in the scenes like when he's at the bar uh-huh. um or there's like the there's like a party-ish scene um but he uh like one of the first things that happens after he is like talking to like uh the other priest and like talking uh after he finds out that the guy's like I'm gonna kill you in a week or whatever mm-hmm. that uh this woman who's Chris O'Dowd's wife uh, has been, has like sunglasses on and he's like talking to her about it. And she takes them off and like reveals she has a black eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he goes to Chris O'Dowd uh, to ask him if he did it. And right. he says that it was her boyfriend uh-huh. who's Isaac Day Bencole. Ben yes. Um, yeah. And he's just like a guy who moved to the town. Right, he's an immigrant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, um... So Chris O'Dowd, like, blames him, like, out of racism, and I guess also being cocked by him. Sure, like, right. right. Um, he claims and, uh, he doesn't care. He's like, no, no, it's great. I I don't really like her that much. She's not yeah. bugging me anymore. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and then, like, so then that goes from Gleason talks to... Uh, ben Coley and is like asking him and he's like no I didn't hit her yeah he's uh, like and, but he's like also like being like very glib about the whole situation yes and it's just like at that point I was like what is this movie gonna be yeah right I mean uh, that's the one where I'm like he's always I always like him he's fine yeah. in this but that character I'm just like what are we doing here yeah uh, and they, I should say I also like Kelly Riley in this playing she's, uh his she's daughter yeah. yeah she's she sort of sounds like thomas and mckenzie in last night so <laughs> she's got a very I, I i didn't know that she was irish i had only seen her in like a few episodes of true detective season two uh-huh um, sure and knew that she was on yellowstone uh, right she's all right mm. she's america's sweetheart now that she's on yellowstone I think. Uh-huh. yeah but I, I didn't know that she was irish and i was like oh 
her name is Kelly Riley. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense in retrospect, but that's like... Um, yeah. Yeah, she's good. Um, she's his daughter who's, like, yes. visiting after a suicide attempt. Yes. Uh, like, and, and also, like, her sort of uh, fallout post the mother dying as he, like, you know, turned to the priesthood. Uh-huh. Right. Yes, it eventually all comes to a head, and she's like, "You, I lost both a father and a mother when yeah. she died. But even that scene, I mean, the movie isn't long, per se. It's only 100 minutes. Yeah. But like, when that scene comes, it doesn't really feel like much of a, like, reconciliation. Like, there's obviously a bit of emotion where, like, Gleason is, like, hugging her, and they, like, they, like, literally reconcile, but, like, throughout the beginning of the movie, or everything leading up to that, there are scenes together play pretty much uh like respectfully towards each other it's not like there's not like right. a big sense they're not of, like, m- like mad at each other there's yes. not a huge gulf between them it feels like so at that scene i was just like oh okay like i guess everything's good now <laughs> right i mean i don't i think it it's almost like they they just like neither of them are emotionally available right. enough to even like admit that they have resent- any a, resentments right. towards each other, that there is any issue. Sure. And so it's just, like, the, the admitting that there is an issue is kind of the thing. And, like, yeah, I think it is kind of, from there, left a little unresolved. Like, he's leaving a lot of things unresolved as he, you know, it's not... Re- right, like, it's not really clear to me how much he actually thinks Chris O'Dowd is going to kill him both in the lead up and then also in the moment like it kind of seems like even after he's right even like after he's shot him in the gut he's like hold on there's still time right yeah yeah and then it's just like nope he's gonna do it uh Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know i just it doesn't i i think that there's there's interesting stuff going on it Uh, maybe part of the reason it doesn't cohere for me is just like the uh catholicism stuff is just like there's uh, the the amount of like groundwork that it would take to make that uh register for me is just like not sure uh doable you want to talk about yeah. transubstantiation jesse <laughs> uh sure <laughs> do you have oh, okay. thoughts on it I, I mean, you know, uh, I could tell you, I mean, do you know what it is? You know, like, how, the, where are we starting from the, here? It's the the blood of Christ, the body of Christ, with right. the wine when, and the wafer, yeah, when, right? Right, when, when, the, when the priest blesses it, and it becomes the body and blood of Christ. Sure, yes. I understand um, that that's the case. I don't understand why, I guess. Why? Yeah, what does like, that accomplish? Why? Receiving the body and blood of Christ? Yeah. He becomes a part of you. Okay. Uh, yeah. He's he 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 give, he give, he gave his flesh and blood to us. Right. Uh, by he, sacrificing he did himself. that. I don't understand yeah. what it accomplishes to make that literal. I mean, you know, it, people people need really sometimes. I think people sometimes need really big, broad, like. Meta, like not even metaphors. Well, obviously, right, not a it's not. It's yeah. not a metaphor. It is literally the body of, yeah. of Christ. That is one of the great mysteries. I guess. Um, right. I guess that's the problem uh, in, is that people can't 
uh, a metaphor is not enough. No, uh, yeah, it's got you. Got to go deeper right. than that. Yeah, all right. we're talking about like um, trying to convert everyone in the world to this, Jesse. You got to go big and broad with it, right? <laughs> uh, um, I guess. Anyway, um, y- yeah, I, 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 I guess, yeah, it's, it is the. The O'Dowd of it all, I guess, is interesting in that how he doesn't register. And, like, I was looking at him, at his IMDb, because, like, there was a time in the early 2010s and, like, maybe late 2000s where O'Dowd was, like, everywhere. He was, like, really popping. I feel like he's gone away a little bit lately. Um, Yeah, is he, like, doing some TV show no one watches? He did that, uh, was he, he was doing Get Shorty on Stars for, like, That's right, he was on Get Shorty for two or three years, yeah. Yeah. He did that movie with the St. Vincent guy. Oh, the one with Melissa McCarthy? Oh, the Starling, of course. Uh Where Um, he does the My Wife bit as he's crying. (laughs) Right, yeah. Sure. Uh, Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I think of him. I mean, it is, I guess the, like, start of, like, Chris O'Dowd, international star, is that Bridesmaids? Yeah, Bridesmaids a bit. I feel I like so. IT Crowd was a bit of a crossover. Sure. Before. Right. I, 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 right, I, right. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And obviously not many people watching that one now. Um, <laughs> More than you would hope, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, sure, sure. I think, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like, you're right. After that, like, he's in... He, like, is in the Apatow stable a little bit. Like, he's in This Is 40. Mm-hmm. Um, friends with Kids. Uh, he, he, of course, is on Girls. Any thoughts on Thomas John, uh, Jesse? Uh, he's, I mean, he's really funny he's as great. Thomas John, I yeah. think. That's his best <laughs> great, role. Great voice work on yeah. <laughs> Girls. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about him. This is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, he was the lead of the Christopher Guest, I think what, the lead of the right. Christopher Guest uh, HBO series about Family Tree. Oh. Family Tree. Um, I watched Family Tree for sure. Yeah. Is it good? Um, uh, I feel like at the time I was like, I'm watching this. Hell yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I, I remember everyone was going crazy for the ventriloquist lady, right? Yeah, she, she was, was like, like the standout. Or whatever. <laughs> uh, when did that come out? Uh, that was, let's see, 2013, so, like, right, yeah, before, yeah. This. right before this. Yeah. Um, he is, of course, uh, has a great one-scene role in Thor The Dark World, uh, as a man that Natalie Portman is, is dating. dating Natalie Portman, yeah. Um, uh-huh. uh, he, d- he does have Mice and Men on Broadway with James Franco. Right, um, I remember. Where he They're plays right. Lenny. Right, I um, remember that, because I think there was, like, a National Theater Live of it. Yes, Not there is a I film saw, version of that, I and I think you can, like, you can find it online, I think, and watch <laughs> oh, it. <laughs> um... Uh, probably not in legal means, but it is definitely around. Oh, he's also in St. Vincent, so I guess he just, okay. like, the St. Vincent guy just likes him. Uh-huh. Uh, he's in... What's that guy's name? Uh, Ted something, I think? Melfi. Ted something. Ted Melfi. 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 Yes. Melfi. Yeah. Right. He's um, working on, uh, Underworld. <laughs> sure. Uh, he's also... could maybe be the main guy in Underworld. Like a DeLillo Underworld? Yeah. He's for Netflix. That's crazy. It's the same. It's like this one guy who's just like, I'm gonna produce a bunch of Delillo adaptations, uh, but he won't right. give I Alex Ross Perry money to do the names, or yeah. you know, maybe I don't know. Um, and then I remember Moon Boy 
uh, was like an international, it was like a BBC or something production that Hulu picked up. It was one of Hulu's early originals. And I remember being getting a lot of ads for that show in, on yeah. early Hulu. And this I think I even watched a few. And I th- very targeted ads. No, I've heard of Moon Boy. Yeah, okay. and my dad like watched it too. Friend? I think. Yeah, it's about like it's about it's like his like he created it. Like he like oh. wrote it, and it's like it's. I think it's a story of basically his childhood, but also like he plays an imaginary friend for a, a boy or something. Like, now I it's do like heavily remember in, this. Yeah. It's like uh, he, a picture of him and the kid both wearing the same right. They, he's, beanie. He, he, right, he yeah. wears one of those hats that has, like, the long, like, braided, yeah. like, things. Um, yeah, and then, like, since then, like, he's he's done, like, a bunch of indie movies. He's in Juliet Naked. He's in uh, he's in the Cloverfield Paradox, Jesse's favorite. Uh, oh, yeah. Cloverfield his, movie. Uh, he gets his, his arm stuck yeah, in the Yeah, his arm, like, walks Right, around. he, like, yells about his arm a lot in that, uh-huh. right? Um, but then, yeah, since then, like, yeah, he's in How to Build a Girl. That one didn't go. He's in Get Shorty, uh, The Starling. He did two episodes of The Simpsons, uh, and has not really done that much other than that in in a while. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I generally just like him, I feel like. I, like, I like his presence. Yeah, I think think I generally do, too. Um, and I would like for him to, to make a, a comeback, personally. Sure, but yeah. As far as him in this, yeah, as far as him in this movie, I do think the last <laughs> scene's good. I think there's, like, a couple of good turns from him in it. Um, uh, like, the thing about, like, again, it's very obvious and broad, but, like, the, like, did you cry when your dog died? Did you cry when you read about, like, the priest abuse or whatever? Yes. And then yeah. That's... The, and, but the way, and the way he... Like dismisses Brendan Gleeson, like trying to explain himself or whatever. I like like that moment in particular. Yes, I agree much. that 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 is the point where I like agree that like this is like very broad and obvious, but also somewhat effective. Yeah, uh, in the writing at least. Yeah, that scene it, it it is one of the scenes that I was like when he is you know he's pointing the gun at Gleeson on the beach at the end and he's like. uh saying that he did hit his wife and he's like did you kill my dog he's like, no right. I, I would never do that i love dogs i was like oh that's funny and then when it's like did you cry when your dog died did you cry when you read that the paper i was like oh my god <laughs> what are we why are we doing this is so just like such a very uh like a boring way to do that i think sure. it's like the most obvious lane but i mean like the movie does have this weird like noir rhythm to it all like mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. i think some of that is like played up by the character caricature-ness of all the sort of townspeople um or they they feel like archetypes in a way right um aiden gillen is like is that is is he putting on a voice i don't know what's just, going on with the voice because he is right crazy <laughs> talking it's a crazy that. voice he's like sure. uh a playing a snake literally <laughs> like uh he he can't not be like a sneaky imp <laughs> right um, i mean i think his character in the uh the the maze runner movies is literally called the rat man yeah that's sick <laughs> that's really um, funny. yeah <laughs> uh but he's like He's like, did I tell you about this boy yeah. who died? And he's and it's just like, like yeah, man, I get dumb. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think maybe the worst little scene that Gleason gets with someone is the guy who's like, 
girls reject me and I want to kill Oof. them, so I'm gonna join the army, join the army because right, they want yeah. you to kill people there. Yeah, that's and it's like tough. I was just like, this is the worst. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. That guy is certainly not one of the guys who I remembered about this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind that scene at all. Like, I like, uh, yeah. Again, it's it's just the same thing I'm saying. Like, I don't think any of this is like breaking any new ground or blowing my mind or anything. But it's just like this. I like right. that is thematic territory that I just generally like am partial sure, to for sure. some reason. Um. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then you see him. You, you see him signing the papers in the in that end pan montage. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Where, this- yeah, go ahead. I will say I did remember his deal during that ending pan montage, which I don't think was true for every single character who we <laughs> panned over in the ending pan montage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little much. I mean, this is like, and it's interesting that this wasn't an issue for me when I first saw it. And I don't know, maybe I just was like so like charmed by the rhythms of the dialogue and the performances that it didn't matter. But this is just, I have the exact opposite reaction to any movie specifically about Catholicism, but about religion in general, where I'm just like, okay, but you don't actually think there's a god. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, intellectually, I understand that they must, but I'm like, they, how? It doesn't, The great mystery of faith. Yep, I mean, you know, it's the it's the uh, the reason that I can't get anything out of uh, Scorsese's silence. I'm just like, what? Why? I don't. So, see that one. That is an interesting comparison point. Certainly, yeah, the way that one deals with with that <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff, Cullen. I mean, it's just that like. I've never <laughs> practiced Catholicism. <laughs> I only went to church like twice, and they were very much like, you know. Uh, I I want to say Christian, but I don't even. That's probably sure, wrong right. to say. <laughs> don't even know um, what. To, yeah, yeah. Denomination unknown for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just very broad. Like uh-huh. I remember they had a big spread, and there was like a lot of fried chicken. <laughs> uh, and I was like, "This is great." During the service, uh, I think after. <laughs> sure, yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've never been like a very. My family doesn't really practice religion, right. mm-hmm. and so I never had any of that. You know, baked in. Yeah. Uh, but so I, a lot of it does sort of just like, other than very base knowledge, like either can just like roll with it and what it's doing, or it's just like I don't care about this stuff. <laughs> like obviously, it, 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 it can go either way. Uh, but there's people sure. who are like, I can't watch this because I'm so scarred. Like someone saying that uh, was saying mm-hmm. that they couldn't watch um, Last Temptation of Christ just because they were like too close to like mm-hmm. religion and like too close to Catholicism. I was like, eh, you know, it's a crazy movie. <laughs> I was like, you really did this to that guy? That guy really gave him a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I... Yeah, I I have various religious backgrounds, but yeah, I grew up in a a Unitarian Universalist church, which is just like, there there always were, like, a lot of atheists and agnostic people in that church, and I think that led to, like, when we would have discussions about, uh, theology in, like, youth groups, it was, like, all of the teenagers, by the time you were a teenager, were like, no, clearly not. Uh, even though, like, there are also, like, 
people who identify as Christian or identify as Jewish in that church. Uh, none of right. none of that was what rubbed off on the youth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the, the minister for most of the time I was there uh, was, like me, by heritage, uh, both uh, Christian and Jewish, and, like, I think identified as both of those things to some extent, but, uh, mm. yeah, none of that landed for uh, any of me or my peers. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, because the other thing, like, the other thing, like, I just... I think, I don't know how much of it is because I grew up Catholic. I do just have a real affinity for, like, the aesthetics of Catholicism. <laughs> I, like, sure, love, sure. like, the robes. I love, like, yeah, the, I... like, architecture, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't have any issues with Catholicism aesthetically, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, maybe I get into religion. <laughs> maybe. That'd be really funny. <laughs> <laughs> If it was like your new like I'm a wine guy now. <laughs> yeah, I'm a religion guy. Guess now. who's Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, no more Sunday records. Sorry guys. <laughs> Just got baptized. Uh, yeah. church. <laughs> Went down to the river, baptized myself. Yeah. Well, I, I was like, I get baptized. Maybe uh, I'm maybe I'm wrong about uh Catholicism, but we could record after church. It's not Judaism. So. You don't have to observe no, the <laughs> <laughs> Right. Cullen's become a Cullen's become a deacon, so he has to be at the church all day to help with the mass. Yeah. Mm. Okay. By becoming into religion, I'm going to be a priest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was gonna jump straight to the top, I think. Yeah. Take it down from the inside, maybe. <laughs> um, if anyone can do it, it's me. <laughs> That's true. I mean, if you became the Pope, certainly Catholicism like would be King done Ralph, within but, uh, three months. For the Pope. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I mean, apologize yeah. if I have uh, blasphemed. Sure, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the great like, thing. Jesus, as long like as you're Hold apolog- on, let me edit this out. Uh, that's the great thing. As long as your apology is sincere, God will forgive you. Well, it... Uh, I don't know if it was sincere. It's, that's between that you was, and God. That was, that's not that for me was, to say. Yeah, that was more of a I'm sorry if you were offended kind of apology. I sure, think, right. Which yeah. I assume, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry assume, you feel bad. Yeah, I assume God is not into those apologies. Uh, given yeah. that I'm not in Sorry if you get apologies. triggered, God, you <laughs> snowflake. <laughs> um, before we get into special presentations, Andy, do you want to lead us all in prayer? <laughs> um, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen... We, we'll talk about this later. Um, uh, is there anything else that we want to say about the guard, though? Or not the guard, the Calvary. Calvary. <laughs> Calvary. Uh, Just Calvary. I mean, I don't know. I'm curious to see, like, how I feel about Banshees of Inisherin, because I, like, I kind right. of was, like, has their, is their thing just, like, does it not work anymore, both of them? But, like, I had seen sure. the trailer before this, and I was like, no, that kind of looks good. Uh, and, you know, right. I, I even, like, when Three Billboards came out, liked it and would imagine i wouldn't especially stand by that but i don't know yeah uh, I, and, yeah, so, and then like i watched the trailer again and i was like no i think this still looks good and part of it is maybe just like uh martin is just like better at coming up yeah. with like a scenario where it's like 
Ooh, this is interesting. Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, this maybe has that if you are into the the Catholicism stuff. The the guard, I don't really remember having, like, a thing that it's about. And I guess it sounds like maybe the the wheelchair thing with Brendan Gleeson had more of a thing. Uh, Sure. But yeah, I don't know, like, the... I, I don't know what he's uh, heading towards with that premise, but I am just like, yeah, that seems interesting to explore. Maybe I'll watch The Forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, might, yeah. I mean, I we've talked about McDonough a bit on the show before, right, haven't we? I don't remember. Martin? Or just in our lives, maybe. We, I mean, we referenced, when when um, we did our TIFF preview, we talked about Banshee. Sure, yeah. Sure. I think I might have picked I mean, two. I guess I don't know if I've ever laid yeah. out my general, like, Martin McDonough deal on, sure. on I mean, this podcast. Yeah, he hasn't go... put out a movie since Three Billboards. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. go ahead. Which, I mean, I guess it's just, like, my first encounter with him was seeing a behanding in Spokane in, on right. Broadway, which, like, I truly hated. It's, like, maybe my least favorite thing I've ever seen on Broadway. <laughs> like, I really had uh-huh. a bad time at that thing, where yeah. I was, my take at the time was, like, well, like, it sort of sustains itself for, like, the length of, like, a pretty good SNL sketch or whatever, but then it just sort of runs out of ideas and it just keeps going for another 80 minutes or whatever. Uh, and, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess I, I, I didn't hate Three Billboards, but I was definitely, like, not rooting for right. it. Right, sure. Uh, to, um, but, but yeah, and, like, we, I, I've read, um, uh, what's, what's the big one, uh, that we did? The Pillow That Man. we read together. Yes. The Pillow Man, right, of course. Yeah. Um, which I thought was fine, but I don't think has particularly stayed with me. Interesting. Uh, since reading it, yeah. Um, but I don't know. He just like he has like he has that like little extra edge that like is is particularly irritating to me. I guess sure. like it like you know he's he's yeah. Got I mean a, it's like you know it's like the Tarantino exactly that whatever, is exactly right? like, what I was the, just the about Tarantino to say. flavor in there. Yeah, that I'm like yeah. I, stop it. Like don't you don't need to do that. <laughs> um, I mean, but there's also like it's not really a Tarantino thing, but there's like weird meta right, in yes. Calvary that I'm just like, shut up. You don't need to do this shit. Right, I mean, yes. We, and, like, obviously, like, in terms of Martin, like, Seven Psychopaths is all that, but, like, there's... Ugh. There's... You don't, do you not know yeah. what Seven Psychopaths I don't know anything about Seven that movie. I've, I've never seen Colin Seven Psychopaths or in Bruges. plays a screenwriter named Martin who is writing a movie called Seven Psychopaths in that movie. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I think I still like The Pillow Man. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't read a behanding in Spokane, and I know, I think until sure. Three Billboards, that was pretty universally agreed upon as his worst right, his thing. Worst right. Uh, and then um, it seems, I, yeah, it seems like Hangman has been theat- uh, in the theater world, uh, certainly better received than that though i don't know yes it was it i mean yeah it it had some momentum and then i think like it came back after the pandemic and the momentum had like dried up yeah i I mean they also just like yeah the cast was just like a lot less interesting uh um what was i gonna say sorry to yes no that's okay uh something i lost it i think um, Sorry. No, it's fine. It wasn't. You're talking about not liking the sort of Tarantino-y right. affectations and how 
sort of uh, uh, like evil he gets, uh, uh, McDonough. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, right. And well, the other thing was like people like cavalry, like. I did not find funny, like really at all. Like, yeah, I, sure. like it, it was described as like a black comedy or whatever, and I did yeah. not re- like. I wasn't fu- yes. like being like oh, I, he, he or I found like, it. Like, I believe I found it funny in twenty fourteen. In twenty twenty two, I also did not. Right now, you're saying Andy that you don't find it funny in a way that you think it's unfunny, <laughs> like unsuccessfully trying to be. Like funny? I don't like. Yeah, I don't quite. No, it's no. It's just like I don't quite get what humor it's going for. Like sure. it. Just, it uh, seems like it's playing it relatively straight to me. I mean, there uh, are points where I'm like, this is try like like Aiden Gillen. I'm like, he's trying to be funny and he's not. The the writing Maybe, of yeah. that sure. character. I guess right. Like I guess the him. characters are like funny in the way Irish people are funny, where they're like <laughs> doing like. <laughs> just like they talk all fucked up. <laughs> I'm Irish. All right, listen. Um, no, like in the it, like in, say, in so the many way, of my friends are Irish. You in don't the way know. in the way where people or the way Irish people talk, like they say funny things when they talk to. Yeah, each other. there's like, like an irony there present right. in like like the like they, like talk, right like he like, has the joke about like oh you cut the wrong way or what like that sort of stuff. Like I get like I get like I recognize that they're using humor with each other. But I don't sure. necessarily like. I'm like, oh, they, they're so funny to me necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's my thoughts on that. Uh, all right. Anything else about this movie that we want to talk about? I don't think so. No. I had a relatively good time with it. I think you know it was a pretty easy watch. Um, I was just gonna say I like, as I said, like the the sort of like premise. I like no longer found to be especially palatable but like and so like as it was starting i was like oh no am i gonna like really not like this but like ultimately i agree that like it was like perfectly pleasant to watch and like there's there's good stuff in it right i just i mean yeah and like i brendan gleason as like the center of your thing i think yeah. is like just like a big like it's like great like to see him he's got such a great face and yeah like the way he moves and talks is just so so great like it's yeah great to see him yeah, um, it was really just a matter you know. of, like, I still don't, like, have a good handle on, like, what I saw in it at the time. I, I was, right. like, reading contemporary reviews that were positive, and I was, like, I, I don't, I, they, I was, like, this doesn't seem right to me, so I don't know. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I, I shall was, like, we... yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. you go ahead. I was just going to say, I was expecting, my expectations were maybe low just because I don't really like uh, Martin McDonough, and I remember not liking The Guard when I saw it, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, whatever, like, lower than pleasantly surprised is, is like, I was like, oh, okay, it's like, fine. It's like, (laughs) yeah, I was, whelmed is a great way to put it. I was not really disappointed. It didn't, like, feel like a massive undertaking. I just, you know... Fell asleep watching it last night through it on this morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, get through it. It a is, a, yeah, it's a real way. two-parter of a movie, I feel like. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, mine was not really two-part. So sure. I was like, I have this movie turned on, but my eyes are closed, so I'm not watching it. I will just have to start over in the morning, so I might as well cut my losses. Um, yeah. I uh, yeah, I watched I, it in the fine. afternoon, and I fit in a whole second movie yesterday. Right. Sure. Did we ever shout out... Uh, which of our listeners suggested this, or... We usually don't, I feel like. We don't? But... Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, I... 
We should maybe get better about that, being like, do you want us to say your name yeah. on there or whatever? Like, we should, uh-huh. we gotta get well, for now, on this uh, we'll say, you know who you are, <laughs> and yep. uh, thank you for picking. Yes, thank, thank you for you. for being uh-huh. a, a loyal donor, and thank you for picking, uh-huh. and I think we had a fun And maybe discussion. we find out, and I cut this out, maybe we find out, and I'll uh, uh, put something in the show notes if they want to be mentioned. Sure. sure. Um, yeah. All right. So we ready to uh, talk about the Comey rule now? <laughs> <laughs> Why? We all watched the COVID for the Brendan Gleeson of it all. Oh, I forgot he played Trump. <laughs> I did. I had that thought during this movie. I was like, this he played Trump. What is he going on? He played Trump. It's crazy. This? He's the, like the first major actor to play yeah. like Trump in a thing. Like other than like Alec Baldwin or whatever, but like Is uh, he yeah, good? <laughs> Can't be. As Trump? Uh yeah. I mean, he's like doing the impression okay uh it's, he's not he doesn't have good material does he walk <laughs> like trump does <laughs> i think he, yeah he he does it, he does a lot of actory business to be trump i think and that's like, funny I, i'll watch the supercut of that for sure yeah i think it's worth maybe checking out some of his scenes just to see <laughs> him do it yeah um, i was it really i was like how what yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyway special presentations uh, I'll shout out the, uh, the aforementioned second movie that I fit in yesterday. Uh, right. Passengers of the Night, uh, which is, uh, a French film directed by Mikhail Ayers that was in, um, Berlin competition this year. Uh, I think it's really good. Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg is the lead. Uh, it's set in the 80s, and she's playing a woman who has, like, just been, uh, left by her husband. She has two kids, uh, and she, like, hasn't worked, uh, since she had kids, uh, and she, there's this, uh, radio show that she listens to, uh, that I think the is where the title of the movie comes from, and she just, like, writes a letter to the host and is like, I really like this show, I can't find a job, I'll do anything, and she becomes, like, their call screener. Uh, and that's not even necessarily what the movie is about, it kind of is just about, like, her life and her children's lives and uh, a young woman who, he, who she meets through uh, doing the show. Uh, and it's just, like, really nice and good. I had, like, heard good things about Ayers. He had a movie called Amanda that was maybe in Horizons at Venice several years ago. Uh, and, yeah, I'm now, like, really, uh, he's someone who I'll want to check out uh, what he's doing going forward. It it was released in Canada in July, just, like, fully, and mm-hmm. has also, like, come out in France, uh, but doesn't have any type of American distribution yet, and I don't think it's had, like, an American festival premiere has one in the works, so, uh, uh, check it out. If you're, if you're a distributor, check it out. Maybe consider distributing it. Uh, it's 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 really nice. I like it a lot. Games we should start really... doing that more. <laughs> Trying to Asking match up people to movies with things. distributors. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll be the middleman. <laughs> I would love that, especially if we, if we get, get paid for get, it. Get, get, get our beaks wet. <laughs> We're like uh, <laughs> talent scouts for movies. <laughs> I think we just invented being agents. Yes, um, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, great. 
I'll I'll go next, and Cullen might jump in on this because I I think it's time. We've been. Watching... I was going to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, right. We've been watching the uh, the Cullen and I and some other friends have been watching the Planet of the Apes series. Uh, and we've just been watching like one a week uh, for the last Ape four Saturday. weeks now. Yeah, it's been Ape yeah. Saturday evening. It's like I I likened it to the old school like million dollar movie on a Saturday night. And it's like, was it's told been a that great I was vibe very old. to set. I think. Yeah, it's like a perfect time for me where it always happens at like seven at night on Saturday. Yeah, I'm like I'll just throw on a quick ninety minute ape movie that's right and so yeah we are almost done with the original run we have uh as we record this we have uh just the final uh mm-hmm. of the original run to go uh and it's like a really fun franchise like obviously the first movie is like iconic and like has been on a million like 100 greatest movies of all time lists or whatever yeah. like it's like and everyone knows like you maniacs they blew it all up like all like the charlton yeah. heston of it all um, but the rest of them, like, they're all very different. They all have, like, extremely yeah. different flavors. They're all really quick. They all, like, the the only real common factor is that they feature some of the same characters sometimes who are apes. Um, uh, like, the second one, it, like, is a little bit of a rehash of the first one for the first half, but then, like, has these, like, crazy, like, underground people who I, like, fell in love with their, like, aesthetic and everything. Um, and then, as you may have heard, they blow up the planet at the mm-hmm. end of the second one, and then there's three more movies, so you get into some time travel for the, the third and the fourth. And the third and the fourth, like, yeah, the third one uh, is, like apes come back in time and like how does society deal with that um mm-hmm. there's an ape shopping it's, montage it's so I, I, so uh, quickly if i may yeah because this will just be both of our presentations yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the first apes is like very good i think i think right. it looks mm-hmm. like whatever restoration is out there currently it looks great right goldsmith score is like insane a yeah. friend of ours calls it monkey mode and there's like no other way to describe it he's just like clanging banging right. he's like, just like throwing the camp. Pa- pots and pans <laughs> yeah. around like yeah uh, crazy. full crazy score and then like the thing that unfortunately uh is a, a, a product of planet of the apes's popularity is like the two biggest moments of the movie are ruined because they're the two most famous moments where he says like get your hands off me you damn dirty ape is like this moment where mm-hmm. they all think he can't talk all the apes, and they think he's just, like, another dumb human who, like, a devolved uh, version right. of a human. And then he finally is able to talk and says this. And it's, like, a crazy moment, but you just are waiting for it. And then, obviously, the end of the movie, he realizes right. that it's not a planet, a different planet. He went through time and is on Earth that has been taken over by these apes. And then the second one is, like, okay. I think Andy liked it more than everyone else that yeah, we watched it with. And it, like, um, it, to be clear, the, like literally the first half is just, let's do Planet of the, the same Apes thing again. Like, Planet of the Apes, except this time the guy can talk and he is communicating with these two apes, Cornelius and Zira, who are in the first our one. Heroes, and, our heroes, yes, and queen. and the third one. <laughs> um, and he, that that one is like, uh, like Andy Sanger rehashed, there's some fun stuff where you get more of like, ape-ified New York right. stuff. Oh, there's right, like yeah, all these buried like, uh, you know, Radio City Hall or like <laughs> Right, whatever. it's like, yeah, uh, there's a real, like, the geography of it makes no sense in just the underground. There's, like, so many New York City landmarks all just, like, right next to each other. Yeah. It's great. And they're, like, on the subway. And then there's, like, like, the sets Andy are was saying, so cool. Yeah, it's some great sets. Um, 
and, and like, like Andy was saying, there's this like underground society of humans that uh, communicate telepathically. Uh, and then like the third one is fully incredible. I think this is Escape from the Planet of the Apes, where after the ape planet exploded at the end of two, Zir and Cornelius in and a third person, Milo, who's uh, played by the guy from uh, uh, Salminio from you know, uh, Rebel Without a Cause, who's, like, famously a uh, short-lived actor, right. similar to, like, Dean and Wood. Um, he didn't make a lot of movies, but this is one of them where he just, like, plays the third ape who came back, uh, and they are, like, explaining everything of, like, how the ape planet came to be. Right, you get a lot and, of lore. <laughs> yes, but then there's also, like, it's like a you know, 70s dramedy, but it's like fish out of water. These apes are in New York City and they're like, they're shopping montages. They become like cultural figures of like the two talking apes, but then they're turned against by humanity and they realize that they're too smart for them. And to like cut off the ape revolution that they talk about, they kill them. <laughs> and then there is every single a baby. Movie. Right. Yeah. They That's have an a baby and ending. they switch it with the there was a, a a real monkey baby who was in uh, Ricardo Montalban's circus, <laughs> and they switched the talking baby with the real baby monkey. Um, so then, in the fourth one, Conquest, that baby is grown up. It's, yeah, it's twenty years uh, later. Ricardo Montalban comes back and they age him up. Yep, and it is all about how the ape revolution starts, and yeah. it's eighty eight minutes. It's so brutal. It is incredibly <laughs> violent. Yeah, uh, it's. We watch uh, we watch the unrated version. They had to tone it sure. down for theatrical. Yes, <laughs> they they cut a lot of violence for the theatrical version and like changed the ending where instead of like killing this human and becoming the plant, like they and starting right starting show the, mercy right. on this human that is like a big moment at the end of the movie. But there's also just like, um, there's like very intense things like people who because. All the <laughs> all the cats and dogs have died, <laughs> so humans took on monkeys as pets, <laughs> and because they were so smart, because apes are like right, they're so, able like, to condition gifted, them to like do they were able to condition stuff. them and then make them like service employees and like waiters and everything. So there's also this little through line of humans whose jobs have been taken over by apes hate them and there's like a protest where they're holding up signs that say slaves or scabs there's just like all these crazy intense like yeah. imagery throughout the movie there, and there's some really on the nose stuff about slavery in, in, yes, uh, yes. in this it, one. It, it, it does lean a little too hard into it yeah maybe. a little bit. but i mean the guy who wrote the three middle ones because he didn't write the last one he didn't write the first one is this guy named paul den who was, like, a spy for real and wrote a Le Carre adaptation. Uh, he wrote Murder on the Orient Express. He wrote Goldfinger. And uh, he was just, like, workman writer. And I think he does an incredible job. There's, like, five different monologues in Conquest, the fourth one, yeah. uh, that are all, like, very good and, like, rousing mm -hmm. in their own way. And incredible. Um, like, and... Um... What's his name? Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell is, like, incredible. He, like... Yes. It, he, you know, he's been in three of them at this point, and, like, he has fully figured out how to give, like, a great performance in that ape makeup. It's, like... Yes. He's And in Conquest, so the ape makeup is, like, the worst of all of them, weirdly. But by the end, it's shot by, um, um... What's his name? Uh, Surtees is the surname. I want to say Bruce? Um... 
Who let did me find let me... this? Let me find this. It is Bruce Surtees, who was a cinematographer who shot like a lot of um, Clint Eastwood movies and like Dirty Harry. Um, so there's like this, you know, dystopian future, pretty like sterile, like very like stark black and white almost compositions of them like walking through these underlit tunnels in between all this secret society stuff. Um, but then also there's like these crazy like handheld frenzied scenes of riot and like mm-hmm. panic from the apes right and you're like they, in in the crowd of apes so much it's yeah and there's like hundreds and hundreds of extras dressed up like apes in these riot scenes and it is just it's it's a crazy thing to be like overwhelmed by the presence of people but there's so many like bodies in this movie <laughs> and it, it's yeah. like truly they made it for like a million and five dollars like mm-hmm. not a lot of money uh it's only like with credits i think it's like 85 minutes yeah. it is i i can't recommend watching the like if there if there's a world where they cut uh the second one beneath the planet of the apes if they cut that down to like a 30 minute segment in between <laughs> uh one three and four it'd be like a pretty bulletproof like perfect franchise i think yeah i yeah and like and like i said like they all have incredible endings like every single one and they're all everything ends on the showstopper (laughs) yeah and like they're all and and they're all incredibly different like it's like people should do franchises like this again where like it's just like yeah every movie is like well what are we gonna do with this this time and like they just go off in a completely different direction yeah uh it's great but they Um, made them in like they made the second through the fourth, or through the fifth, excuse me, right. back to back to back years, right? And it, it's there's like, and there's only like two years after the first one, so like they make Planet yeah. of the Apes, it's a sensation or whatever. Then two years later, they just start pumping out sequels one a year and like four years. We, when we watched the second one, I was like, that was not very good. I'm kind of dreading watching the rest of these now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we watched the third one; it's incredible. We watched the fourth one; it's also incredible. <laughs> but then the fifth one, everyone says is bad, and then it's like the next one's the Burton one. The next one is after that; it's like the Reeves trilogy is what we're gonna watch. <laughs> so right. it's like we might be at the peak of apes right now. Right. But so they should just make this is my my uh, you know call like finding distribution for a small movie. I want them <laughs> to make another Planet of the Apes movies where the apes talk a lot because there's something so fascinating about just, like, you know, in the world of the movie, the apes are supposed to just look like real apes. And, like, right. when you realize that, it, like, for me, I was like, oh, this is, like, a whole new ball game, And they are just talking to these... People that they think are apes, not, like, weird costume apes. Because they also have real animals mixed in the movie in some points. So it, like, breaks the reality of it a little bit. But it is still just, like, so exciting. And like Andy's saying, they're all different. They're allowed to, like, experiment with these franchise movies in a way that obviously doesn't happen now. And it should just be, like, our gold standard of what they can be. uh, Meaning cinematic franchises. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, definitely yeah. Strong recommend on 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 doing an apes project if you haven't. Uh, the, the I got I picked up the like Blu-ray box set really cheap. Like it's like you can get all of the movies like really easily. Um, and yeah, I think it's yeah it's it's well worth your time and the, mm-hmm. they're so fun and exciting and they're great crowd watches. It, uh, yeah, if you're watching with mm-hmm. other people. Yeah, I mean, based on what you're saying you want, Cullen, and what I've heard him say, it sounds like the person who should be in charge of the Apes franchise is Paul Giamatti. 
Sure. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm ex- yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm certainly excited to see what happens in the, the Burton right. one. Dirt, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, this is the thing, like, that was one of the ideas that we came up with while we were watching sure, they, last they, night. They should make was they should just the... do the sequel to the Burton one next. Like, they're like, yeah. and, and it's like, and it's like one of these sequels, like, where they're just like, we're doing mm-hmm. like a crazy, like, whatever. Because, like, I think that would be, that would be crazy <laughs> if they were yeah. like, we're going back to the Burton <laughs> timeline now. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really funny. But, um, but yeah, I guess with that, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if you want to follow us on the podcast on Twitter, you can do it at Can I Kick It. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd or Instagram, you can do that at C-I-K-I Pod. Uh, I know Emilio said there was going to be a YouTube short up. I watched every YouTube short that comes out, and we, I did not see one. <laughs> um, so I don't think that happened. And if you want to email us, you can do so at CanIKickItPod at gmail.com. And if you like this episode where we take a, a suggestion from one of our listeners, one of our recurring donors, and you want to get in on that pool, um, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash C-A-N-N-E-S-I, which is coffee.com slash can I. You yeah, set up a recurring the, donation, you're automatically entered into mm-hmm. the pool. The pool we're, at we're, the we're moment at, is yeah, not yeah. large. Right, yeah, we're almost out of that. You got a good shot if you uh, donate now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then um, also we're still we're at TIFF now. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah look for next week where open. we'll probably be really getting into all the at TIFF movies for real. Uh, our theme song is by Tree Related, who's at Tree Related on Spotify and SoundCloud. I'm on Twitter at Clatchley, Andy. A-N-D-T Germ. A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R-M. I didn't know if I was going to say it or spell it, and then I Sorry. did both. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't spell mine, so I kind of threw you off. No, it's guess. fine. J-C-P Glick Weber. Weber has two Bs. And then with that, I will release our audience. Bye! Bye. Bye.